Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty, hosted by Jody Katz, founder and creative director of Base Beauty Creative Agency. Hey, everybody, it's Jody Katz, your host of Where Brains Meet Beauty podcast. This week's episode is a special one as we recorded it at our podcast and residence program at Saks Fifth Avenue's flagship store in New York City, where we host networking and live podcast recording events. It features Eric Butterbaugh. He's the founder of Eric Butterbaugh Fragrances. He has a beautiful shop and shop at Saks, so please check it out. And if you're interested in attending any of our future podcast and residence programs, they're free, please go to our website at wherebrainsmeetbeauty.com or go to our Instagram at wherebrainsmeetbeautypodcast. Um, we're happy to add you to our mailing list so you can get the news. And if you missed last week's episode, it featured Elise Joy. She's the director of Girls Helping Girls, period. Okay, tonight we are joined by Eric Budaba. Eric is the floral designer to the stars and founder of Eric Budaba Los Angeles Fragrances. His fragrances are unique and an intimate way to honor his passion for flowers. If you follow him on social media, you've noticed that he radiates joy. Please welcome Eric Budaba. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. So we have to talk about the shoes. <laughs> I can't help it. <laughs> I'm a boot whore. How many pairs? No idea. How many did you travel with? Um, ten. Is that uh, a whole here suitcase? Here four nights, so. That's a whole suitcase full it of is. shoes. It is. I can't help it. I might want a different color tomorrow. Well, you're in the right building for this. Thank you. I know. So we have a lot to cover. Eric and I had a conversation over the phone a few weeks ago, and there's so much rich storytelling here. I think we're in for a real treat. But let's start with what you're holding. What are you holding? A red rose. Looks like someone's eaten part of this one, but we'll try. Well, it was reflexed before I handed it over to you. Yes. Tell us what that means. Well... It's something I started my flower shop a, a long time ago because if you get one that's not reflexed, it looks like everyone's reflexed it, it just is sort of closed. So we started opening them and you go around and you flip it inside out, you flip it inside out, and all of a sudden it becomes something different. Look what we have here. Ah, thank you. Thank you. Will you hold this for a minute and I'll actually do one. Um, so anyway, you take the back guard things off. And when you do a party that you're using maybe 10,000 roses, it's a big job to open 10,000 roses. So there's a whole thing in the back and all they're doing. So you take the outer one and you just gently, not everyone can do it. Not everyone has that gentle touch. I think my friend Vanessa in the back has a, the gentle touch. Um, and you go around and you just open it, petal by petal, a tiny little flip. And it goes from that closed rose to something different. And it's, it goes from that to this. And when you have an arrangement with maybe 300 of them, it looks very good. And when you, it's in a huge arrangement, arrangement. No one thinks it's real. They get there and they think it's velvet and they think it's something else. And I'm about the only shop that does it. Other shops could. 
nobody wants to take the time because it takes so long. So I'm Detail City. Thank you for sharing Thank that. You. So you all have a Reflex Rose to take home with you, courtesy of Eric, which is so nice. So um, let's have some fun. How did you spend the day today? Today? Oh, you asked about yesterday. Um, today I had a press breakfast um, at a hotel, and that was great. It was nice to be here and let people know about um, the new things with the perfume brand. Then I snuck back to my hotel. I had lunch next door, some restaurant I can't remember the name of. Um, and then I went home and packed because I leave at the crack of dawn tomorrow. So it, today wasn't my favorite day until now. <laughs> so what did you do yesterday? Yesterday I had breakfast at San Ambrose, which I love. And then um, I ran around with some friends. I had coffee at another San Ambrose. And you know what? I had um, lunch, weirdly, at that new fancy Starbucks in the meatpacking district. Have you seen it? It is massive. It's, it's called Starbucks Privé. Have, who, she's been there. It, I'm, it's massive. The food is amazing. It's next level. I didn't know it existed, and it was it's such a fun day. And I wish we, I hope we get one in LA, but we don't have one yet. It was a good day. What is a typical day? Like yesterday and today is not a typical day, right? You're not based in New York. Mm. When do you wake up? What do you do? Are you lounging until eleven in the in the, in the bed? Getting to the office at one? What is it like? I wake up at the crack of dawn. I usually wake up at six, and I love that let the dog out. I have a little rescue dog that I'm in love with called Lucius Foxy. He's amazing. I'm completely in love. And then I get up and I watch headline news for our country. And um, <laughs> then I spin around Instagram and play a little bit. I do naughty memes, so I like that. And um, I really, if I get to ease into that day from sort of 6 to 8.30, then I have a good day. I don't like to rail out of the bed. And I usually don't leave the house until about 10, 10.30. And then lately I've been going to the flower shop and um, that's fun and it's exciting. And my flower shop's in a beautiful, beautiful Frank Geary building and it's exciting. And every day you go through who's ordering stuff and it's, um, it's very over the top and exciting. You know, it's fun. I, when I had the flower shop, I'd loved living in London, but I didn't want to do a flower shop in London. They're too cheap. And then I decided that in L.A. it was great because there's, it was very glamorous and it was over the top. So I did my flower shop in the most perfect city I could do it in, in L.A. And it's, I'm, it's been 28 years I've had this flower shop. And if these walls could talk, um, it's good. So I want to let everyone in on something you told me when we were on the phone. This is in quotes. I was born with people skills, taste for fancy things. Yeah. What does that mean? I love fancy. <laughs> I always did. It's funny, I grew up in Oklahoma, and the one thing I knew is that I sort of wanted out. And um, it just didn't feel natural for me. And I lived my life through magazines, and I saw this other places that have different lifestyle and I, I feel like I visualized myself out of there. And I didn't have this thing like I've got to get out of here, it just sort of easily happened. And everything I kind of hoped my life would be, it became, but not 
by really trying, just by like going with what came in front of me. Um, and then I ended up having sort of the glamorous life I wanted, somehow, some way. But um, I always like fancy stuff. And there's something like when I launched the perfume, I had to have a crystal bottle. Uh, you know, it was this, and to do that, like for a small startup brand, it cost so much money, whatever. And I just like dug my feet in, I dug my feet in. I got my crystal bottle and it shaped like I wanted and whatever. I'm a perfectionist, so I've always lived that way. You are a perfectionist? Yes. But you seem so calm for a perfectionist because I'm a recovering perfectionist. I don't think I'm that calm. <laughs> I rally up. But I, like, I want everything perfect. I'm very detail-oriented, and I usually get it. So true or false, were you voted best dressed in high school? Yes. True or false, were you voted most popular? Yes. <laughs> Do you remember being in high school? Yes. Was it awesome? No. <laughs> it was okay. I mean, I liked high school. I liked people. All my life, I liked people. And all my life, I'm curious about people, and I feel like everybody has something amazing. So I like to meet people, and I like to figure out what their amazing thing is. It's, um, it's something I like. You're open. I like people. And I think almost everybody has something interesting to do. So a lot of people, I have a big life, so people think I'm fancy or whatever, but I don't discriminate about people. I like everybody, and I want to figure out something. So I think that's helped me in my life and my career. Tell us about your grandfather. Um, my grandfather was amazing, and I, when I, he'd only had daughters, whatever. When I was born, it was like, oh my God, no, what, nothing mattered but me, period. And he, I was spoiled rotten. He gave me a new car every year for my birthday. Really? He, yeah. It was like I could buy as much clothes as I wanted. It didn't matter. It was. I mean, it was amazing. My mother didn't matter anymore. Her sister didn't matter anymore. His wife didn't matter anymore. It was me, baby Jesus. It was like <laughs> crazy. And I would, every day, his driver would pick me up at school and bring me to his office. And we would walk around. And my granddad dressed up every day in a cashmere coat and gloves, a suit and tie. And he would walk with me holding hands to the ice cream shop to get a chocolate milkshake. And next door to the ice cream shop was a toy store. And we walked in. He said, no, 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 we got it yesterday. We don't. And I'd be like, oh, let, I don't need anything. Let's just go in and look. And he couldn't say no to me. So it was, you know, it's amazing to have somebody love you that much and whatever. So I think that was a, a good thing of growing up. Do you think you picked up his finer things? Probably. Probably. He liked beautiful things, too. I remember, like, feeling the gloves, and there would be kid skin gloves and things. So, yes? You remarked to me that your mother had a nice personal style, but that you didn't like the way she decorated the house. No. It was funny. When I was 16 years old, my grandparents completely let me redecorate their house. I chose everything. They didn't question it. They didn't do anything. They just let me go for it. And it went quite modern. <laughs> probably horrible now, but at that time I thought it was amazing and they loved it. It was, it was funny. Shower or bath? Only bath. Ever. Ever, ever? Always. Always since you were a kid? Yeah. My bathroom when I grew up was 
There was a counter and there were probably 50 bottles of perfume on it. I love perfume. I love smelly stuff. I would only take baths and I wouldn't just put bubbles in the bath. I'd pour perfume out of bottles into the bath. And, I, and the candles, I wanted them burning. My mother thought I was always going to burn the house down because there's always had to be it. So the smelly deal was my deal. And that's why the perfume was a dream of mine since I was a little kid. And um, for that to happen, I feel very blessed because it took a while, but it was a dream of mine since I was a little kid. What are the earliest memories you have of fragrance being so significant? Like, when did you take that bottle and dump it in the bathtub? I mean, probably when I was eight years old, maybe before. <laughs> I don't know what it is. You know, some things you don't, there's no rhyme or reason. It's just there. And I always, I always loved it. How incredible that you had people around you that honored that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel very lucky that that kind of thing that I was um, spoiled. <laughs> so um, you mentioned that you visual, visualized your way out of Oklahoma mm -hmm. by reading magazines. So um, I wonder if you're growing up now, what medium would you turn to to sort of escape and dream? Well, I have to say I feel confused about the way <laughs> we're up right now. I've never done a podcast. I'm not exactly sure what it is. Um, but I'm happy to be up here. This is it. <laughs> this is it. Um, you know, the world's different. It's fast. There's so much stuff to do. And I, you know, do my best to keep up with it. But it's different for me. And um, I'm not opposed to anything, but I guess I happen to love Instagram. So, you, do you love it? I love it. Mm -hmm. I love it. But, um, you know, there's other things that all you young people, I'm sure you do, that I don't understand. So um, it's a different world. You know, a long time ago, if I did a perfume, you'd, you know, have a couple of articles in a magazine, go in a nice big store, and that'd be that. Now, Wow. You've got to pedal, you've got to <laughs> influencers, this stuff. And it's, it's exciting, but it's different. Does it feel overwhelming? No. I'm overwhelmed by it. I'm, so, I'm sort of open to anything, so you know, I don't know if I understand it all, but I'm open to it. I find the pace um, tricky. The what? The pace. Yeah. Right? The um, immediacy, the need for more and more and more and more it's and more. It's a lot. It's a lot. Um, do you have a big team to support you? I do now. <laughs> I didn't in the beginning. You know, it's an amazing thing. When I launched the perfume, it was three people and a little startup. And, you know, you do the best you can and you go, go, go. And now I'm very lucky. I've taken a strategic investor, a company from Spain called Pouge, and I literally worship them. And it's like, it's like to have a company that has an art department, a new media department, the photo, you know, it's just like, and I, I sort of even didn't realize <laughs> what I had. I went into Paris this year and there was a photo shoot and it was like 40 people in four vans all over Paris. And they, they did all the artwork for my new launch. And I was like, oh my God, there's an art department. It's just like, my life has changed so much. I can like, now my time is different, and it, it was very different when it's a two-man band than it was a whole building in Paris, so it's, and here's some of them, so it's very exciting. And um, I can, I'm very excited for the future. So let's um, walk down memory lane in your career. Tell us about your first job when you left Oklahoma. 
um, my first job was I sort of felt like I was taking advantage of my grandfather and the money. And I felt guilty about it because he loved me so much. And he wanted me to take over his company in Oklahoma, which was Land Tile Oil Company, which I had no interest in. And um, I felt like I was taking advantage of him. So I went to him and said, you know, I, I want to move. I don't want to go to work for your company. I want to move to Dallas. And I want to do it on my own. So I sort of cut myself off. So when I got to Dallas, I still wanted the clothes. So I went to work for Gianni Versace, which was the only fashion designer that mattered at the time. So I could still have the clothes. And that was amazing. It was fun. How long did you work for Versace? Uh, well, I worked for Versace for two years in Dallas. And then the economy went funny and they closed that store. But they moved me to Beverly Hills, which didn't hurt my feelings one bit. It's sort of the universe driving me to another big city. And um, I worked for the Versace store on Rodeo Drive, which he did not own. It was a franchise. And I bought the men's collection, and I took care of the celebrities. So I dressed all the famous people. <clears throat> and so in his company, they knew about me because I took care of all the movie stars. And I met Johnny Versace at a party in Beverly Hills. And he said, oh, my God, you're Eric, the famous Eric at my store. And he didn't really love the people I worked for. And he said, so Oscar season, if I send all the clothes for the celebrities to you at home, will you dress them privately? And I said, sure. Yeah, love it. And so I'd get 10 boxes of clothes for Elizabeth Taylor. I'd get 10 boxes of clothes for Jane Fonda. I'd get, and I'd go to their house, and I'd fit them. And... It was sort of normal. It was fun. And afterwards, he called me and said, that was so amazing. It was easy. Can Donatella and I invite you to stay with me in Centre Pay for a week to thank you for doing that? I'm like, yeah, I'm in. <laughs> and so I went there. And when I got to Centre Pay, he had gotten the franchise back in London. He was building this palace store, 30,000 square feet, all marble, all beautiful antiques. And it was mine. And so I moved to London, and that was amazing. Um, and I was in my 20s, and it was crazy. It was during the period when supermodels happened. So I'd wake up at the Ritz in Paris. Naomi'd be asleep here. Christy Turlington asleep here. Donatella on the sofa. And, uh, you know, I was having a ball. <laughs> you said that you had visualized that for yourself. Well, not particularly that situation, but ending... <laughs> Ending up in London or a big city. <laughs> you know, I sort of saw myself living this different life, and then all of a sudden I was there. I did not, you know, there was no plan of how to get there. It just sort of let it happen to me. That's the sense of calm I feel from you. Mm. It's some, I think there's something about trusting the universe, and it's going to go, you know, if I'd ever try to push anything too hard, if it is, it doesn't feel like it's meant to be. So I kind of let things flow the way they're meant to flow, and usually they flow the right direction, in, in my opinion. Did you learn that from your grandfather? No. I think, you know, just in my... There was something funny when I launched the perfume, and I had this successful flower business and stuff. There was a little bit I felt overwhelmed, and it almost felt like I was receiving more than my cup could hold which is a funny feeling. You, I, I felt anxious. And there was something with that, and I started 
started to cope with it. I started meditating. I started doing some other stuff. And um, that helped balance me out somehow because, you know, it, it almost felt like worry. But you're not worrying about something good. It was just like, oh, my God, oh, my God. Um, and I think some of the stuff like meditation and stuff makes me see not push for something. You know, if there's something you think you want and you start pushing and it's not happening, I feel like it's not meant to be. So I, I very quickly let what's meant to be be. And then it sort of gets you to the right place. I, I feel like I'm not trying to be a guru. but Do you use a meditation app or are you able to get yourself In the there? beginning when I started meditating, I just read something in a book once. And it's, and it's sort of how I feel. It's like it said don't be afraid of, you know, you don't have to have a guru. Just stop right now and breathe. And just focus on your breath. Do in and out. And I did that. And for a long time, I just did breath. And then I found out about the apps, like Insight Timer, and it's amazing. And I switched, and I started going, and I listened to guided meditations. And I liked that. But it's something, after a while, I started thinking, I like my old quiet meditation. So... Um, I think meditation is something very important for everybody, and especially in a world that's crazy. As, you know, everywhere in the world, England's different now, France is different now, America's different now. So I feel like anything that quiets you down a little bit is probably good for you. You told me that London feels like home more than any other place. Yes. It's funny because when I moved to London, I had a preconceived idea that I had a fun job, and I knew it, but I had an idea in my mind that English people hate America, vulgar Americans, and then that was that, and it was completely wrong. I sort of, in London, I made the best friends I've ever made in my life, and if you make a friend in England, one, they have my sense of humor. Um, if you know what piss-taking is, that's my favorite thing on the planet, take the piss out of somebody and somebody take the, and that's England, and I made the best friends I've ever made anywhere in England, and it's now, if I go to England, I feel like I'm going home. And, uh, and it was mostly sort of solid English people and a few Germans thrown in. <laughs> you also told me that um, people see you as a confidant. Yes. Why do you think that is? I don't know. I think because I like people and I, whatever, I know so many secrets. I'd never write a book because nobody would ever speak to me again because I've always been a confidant to people. People come to me to tell me their secrets or get my help or whatever. And it's just been, it always has been. Oklahoma, Dallas, London, whatever. People um, trust their secrets with me. And I like that, to and be you're honest. you're a vault? I'm a vault. Mm -hmm. And I feel like for my flower shop, one of the reasons it's so successful is because I'm a vault there too. Because... You know, if somebody's having a fight with somebody, they call the flower guy. You gotta be quiet. You can't be jabbing about their shit. <laughs> right, so. Um, Am I not supposed to cuss on this? You can. Okay. Yeah. We'll put a little explicit E. Okay, okay. <laughs> so, um, what keeps you up at night? Nothing. Really? Nothing. Really, really, really? I literally lie down and I'm asleep in two minutes every single night. You don't wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning thinking Never. of that list that's in your Never. head. I used to a long time ago. Now, for the last 10 years, I lie down, I'm asleep in one minute, and I wake up in the morning. Are you jealous? I am. I, <laughs> I, I, I um, wake up with lists in my head, and then the list, 
I'm just, like too tired to write the list, so well, it keeps going through my head. By the way, when I, before I got to this, one of the steps into it was that I would realize I need to make a list before I went to bed, so it was off your head, so you could sleep. Now it doesn't matter. I don't need the list. I don't need. I lie down. And I'm out. I will to do that. Could list. be the age. I um, end up at four o'clock in the morning, five o'clock in the morning, can't back to sleep, so I watch The Real Housewives. I never, never, never. Thank God. Poor you. <laughs> I will work on the list. Okay. I will write it down. It's a good advice. So um, you told me that when you came back to the U.S. after living in London for two years, you didn't really know what to do. So no. what actually did you do during those two years? You know, I knew a lot of people, so I had a little bit of fun, and I felt a little bit lost, and I wasn't sure what I was supposed to do when I grew up. And I... Um, also, it was much different living in L.A. It's like... London was so social, and there were dinners. It was different kind of socializing, and they don't have that in L.A., really. Um, so I was a little lost in social life and in work life. So I was really hanging about, and I had a friend who was giving a dinner party for her husband's book, and I wasn't doing anything. I said, I'll do the flowers. And she's like, what? And I had never done flowers for anything. And I said, well, I had this girl in London that did my flowers, and I always watched and whatever. I'm going to do them. And I really worked hard, and I did the flowers. And um, the next day, all the women start calling and say, oh, my God, the flowers were so chic last night. It's like something I would see in Paris or London. Who did them? And she was funny, and she gave them all my phone number. She knew I never thought about it. And people were calling me saying, oh, can you do something? I'm like, I don't do flowers. I was just one off. And then a couple of people were very persistent. So I ended up doing something, and the same thing happened. More people called. And some, I get, think I'm thick a little bit, but at some point a light bulb went off, and like what I was supposed to do found me. And so I started doing flowers. My best friend at the time was the most famous photographer in the world, Herb Ritz. So I called Herb and said, I'm going to do flowers now. And he's like, what? I said, I'm going to do flowers now. You need to come take a photograph. I'm going to mail it to everybody. And it sort of became the rest is history, and it was um, meant to be. There was a time in my life where um, I lost my job, didn't know what to mm -hmm. do, and I went to work at a flower shop. Really? And I loved it. Really, it's amazing. You know, it's funny. So many people come up to me and say, oh, my God, the flower shop, I want to work in your shop. And I, these are these spoiled women, and they think that in the flower shop, there's violins playing in the corner, and you just do this and put this in there, and it's just so lovely. I mean, the flower shop is bloody hard. There's mess everywhere. You're lugging stuff, your buckets, whatever. They, they would last one day. But um, there's a different attitude to it because it is very hard work. I learned how to get the thorns off the roses. You did? Yeah. With a scraper or yeah. a knife? Yeah, scraper. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, it was super awesome. So um, over 25 years later... What's the floral business like for you now? Now I'm off, Now that I have such support with Pooj, um, I have a little bit more time. So I'm officing at the flower shop again, and it's really reinvigorated it, my employees that have been there. So, and it's funny, I was working so hard in the perfume, I wasn't there like I used to be. And now I realize how good I am at it, how much I miss it, and how much my people miss me. And so I'm having a ball there. And um, I love it. It's, a, it's almost going back to roots kind of thing. And I, it makes me very happy.
So let's talk about the fragrance. Mm -hmm. You um, told us that since you were five, six, seven, eight, this yep. has been a passion of yours. Um, what were those feelings and the moments where you were actually like making this happen for yourself? Well, like I said, it was overwhelming. And, but there were so many things that just happened like magic. It's like Fermanesh has made, which is a perfume company that makes a lot of fragrances and they have a stable of amazing, the most famous noses. So it was a very easy process because they're amazing. And so you would go to them and give them the beginning point and then you play together. And um, it was exciting all the way. But how did you know it was the right time to pursue this part of your dream? I didn't. And it was funny, it took me a while to get the perfume moving, but um, I always feel like the universe looks after you. And when it happened and it launched, it felt like exactly the right time. Maybe earlier would have been the wrong time. It felt like people were looking for something high quality and something beautiful and something different and something that everyone couldn't have. It was exactly the right timing. So again, against all odds, the universe was working and it was, and I had, this is such a thing in my blood. I'm so proud of these fragrances and I hope you play with them and I hope you buy some and they're beautiful. And I said to somebody that when I launched it, I know so many people and they all bought it and they all were wearing it and they were all saying, oh my God, this is beautiful. But because they were friends, I mean, I enjoyed it and I appreciated it, but you know, your friends are your friends. And then something switched and like a year in, I would get off the plane in Paris and somebody come run over and say, oh my God, you don't know me, I'm not so freak, but I wear your perfume. And then it's like, I felt like somebody was giving somebody a card and setting me up. It was like they were punking me because they'd say the same thing. And what they'd say is, since I started wearing your perfume, I get stopped in the street every day by people saying, what is that? It's the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. And because it was coming from strangers, after I decided I wasn't getting punked, I, it was for real. And that, that all of a sudden there was this thing that I felt overwhelmed because it, I felt like I did it. That's like kind of goosebumps story for me. Mm -hmm. um, because you made it from nothing, right? And now yeah. people are recognizing you that, yeah. and feel um, com comfortable approaching you. Yeah. I like it. I so like I it. think that we're ready for questions now. Oh, I see a girlfriend. So Kate's going to bring us three awesome questions. Okay, is Maelstrom54 here? Hi. The question Hi. she has for you is, if you could capture the scent of your favorite memory, what would it smell like? Hmm. That's a great question. That is. It's a stumper. It's a sort of irritating. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It's funny. It's something I feel like in a fragrance I like. I like some crispness, but also behind it I like something that feels a little comforting or buttering. So I feel like I don't know how to answer that. You sort of stumped me because um, I want it. You know, it's weird for me for fragrance that I feel like I have such a big line now that you can choose a fragrance for, you know, during the day you feel like you want to feel crisp and clean and whatever, but at night you want to feel sexy. 
So I feel like you can dance around. And that was another thing when I launched this brand, that people would come in, and my experience had been to go to a brand and this was my thing. But people were picking five and six and couldn't be, pick between them, which I loved. And um, because they were different things. And I said, you know, you don't wear the same shirt every day. Why wear the same fragrance? So, and that was happening with my brand. So I think you have to dance around with a few. Great question. This next one is from Simply Skincare. There she is. Hi. As someone who works in fragrance and botanicals, is there a scent that you absolutely loathe to work with? In flowers or fragrance? In uh, flowers, it's, it's a sort of funny. I hate sunflowers. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I hate them. You hate looking at them? I just don't like them. I don't like oh. to work with them. <laughs> I don't like to look at them. It's not my deal. Uh, and I did a collaboration with a very famous hat designer who was based out of L.A., and we were sort of like two designers doing something. And the thing was to let him pick um, a flower, and I'd do a fragrance off of it. And he picked the sunflower. He's French, and he's an amazing guy. And I was like, you're kidding. And they were like, you have to do it. And sunflowers don't have fragrance. So to develop that fragrance, we had to work with the noses and sort of give a feel of what, if a, if a sunflower had smell, what it would smell like. And we ended up with something called Nick's. He was called Nick Fouquet, a hat designer. And we came up with Nick's sunflower. And it's one of the best selling in my in my line, it's beautiful. So that was exciting. And I even like it. So I guess we interpreted it in some way, but it was fun. That's a great question. Okay, our last winner and question asker is Sharon Fosco. Are you here? Oh, cool. Hi, Hi. Sharon. Sharon was the first person to arrive tonight. Oh, well, I love that. She was early. <laughs> Good. Is it there? Good. Okay, Sharon asks, what kind of dog do you have and where did you rescue him from? And does he have a signature scent that he wears since you love him so much? <laughs> That's an amazing question. I got him, oh God, I'm blanking out on the name. It's a little rescue in Beverly Hills. I have a friend that's like, all she does is find homes for dog. And it was like, when I said I wanted one, you have to get a rescue, you have to get a rescue. So she sent me to this place and... There, you know, some rescues are really weird. I called. They wouldn't return the call. Wouldn't return the call. And I'd gone on. I saw this dog, and it was mine. And they wouldn't call me back. So I barreled over there and just barged in and said, and they brought him out. He was mine. And he's, you know, he's a mix of stuff. He looks a little like a red miniature pincher. Long legs. He's fast. And they named him Lucius Foxy, and I love him. And he doesn't wear perfume. <laughs> and if he were, which one would he love I the most? I think he might wear, I think he might wear the Saffron Oud, which is one of my new fragrances, because he sort of is sexy. <laughs> <laughs> he is. Changed my life. I never had a dog before. It changed my life. I moved somewhere else for this dog. I love him. How many years have you been together? year and a half. Oh, He's little. He's almost two. So um, that concludes this part of the podcast, but I can't let you go yet because Sam from the Puge team is going to raise her hand or Danielle is going to raise her hand. So there's a lot of things happening here tonight okay. with you. Um, would you like to meet, shake hands, hug, laugh with Eric after this recording? 
Okay. So you're you're gonna follow Danielle after this recording to his beautiful shop, which is right in the back corner. Mm-hmm. But it's a little bit of a maze to get there, so you can follow her. And Eric's gonna go there. To Are we gonna greet. follow like an umbrella being held? Yes, up? A, a rose high okay. in the sky. <laughs> okay. Um, so you can get to spend time with Eric back there, and there's cocktails, and we have Damiana doing incredible decorations. Um, she's personalizing fragrances and candles that you buy tonight. Do we have a DJ? And a DJ. So this is a lot of fun. So the party is going to pick up from this spot to move over to his shop in the corner. Okay? So I'm going to conclude this podcast recording because people are listening on the other okay. end, and they're not here, and they wish okay. they were here. Great. And I'm going to do it in our traditional way. For our listeners, I hope you enjoyed this interview with Eric. Please subscribe to our series on iTunes. And for updates about the show, follow us on Instagram at Where Brains Meet Beauty Podcast. Thank you so much, Eric. Thank you, Jody. It was great. Thanks for listening to Where Brains Meet Beauty with Jody Katz. Tune in again for more authentic conversations with beauty leaders.